0: Good evening, boys. Good evening, or is it or is it men? I prefer Turns. boys. I'm young at Turns. hat. Jerks. A-holes. Weenies. <laughs> Weenies. It's like my son is on the podcast now.
1: <laughs>
0: well, yeah. uh, what episode is this? 74? 74. Hold on, let me put my Ben face on real quick. Hold on, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 74, the Green Suitors Podcast. Um, tonight is a patron question episode and while we only got a couple for uh, requests from Patrick I did get one other question offline from a patron so Patrick we're sorry we're not answering your questions tonight oh god uh, thank god thank god right he always gets special treatment so tonight we're skipping you Patrick uh, but we'll get into that we have a really interesting good topic that I think all of us uh, are excited to talk about but before we get into that I want to talk about this one's giveaway, which is our good friends, Leather by Dragonfly, giving away another glorious Sedgley, which came in very uh, handy at the old uh, festival build-off. Yeah.
2: Ronnie, you had your Sedgley on. We all did. It, uh, it, and you know how many people borrowed from my Sedgley? I don't know if you saw it. It was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> hey, let me and get that pencil. Looking, I had to keep looking down. It was like weird. One time it went over to your all's team. It, my, my pale pocket rule, I had to go get it. You had two on your bench. One of them was mine. <laughs> oh, I thought the other one was sedges. No, no. There, somebody had hoisted
1: mine, but it's back. I think I didn't check that.
2: It was I funny. Yeah. Every
0: at when I, when I was wearing, I was wearing on the first day. Cause we were actually building the second day was all just finishing, but, um, after I, as soon as I put it on, I started pulling stuff out of it. Mike kept looking at me. He's like, "Where's the tape? Tape measure? Hey, give me, let me see the Pelini. Hey, let me see the pencil." So yeah. I just kept like handing stuff back yep. and forth to him, like out of my, and, out of my Sedgley. Maybe he'll get one now. And
1: what was funny is I put three uh, fast cat tapes on each builds uh, MFDs. They just mm-hmm. scattered quick. Oh yeah, For sure. Typical.
2: Yeah, I yeah. instantly saw that it had the same tape. On there. So I took one of my stickers out and stuck it on the side of mine. It was fun to watch it evolve and go around the shop. I could still oh. tell it was mine with the yeah. sticker. If it wasn't sure, for yeah. that, I would have lost it.
1: <laughs> hey, before we get into it, do we have any new patrons?
0: Uh, yes. Uh, but uh, for the podcast or giveaway, uh, go to green suitorspodcast.com, enter the giveaway form there for your chance to win open all 50 states. One entry per human being, please, everybody. Oh, come on. But. Sedge, yes, as a matter of fact, you are correct. We do have some new patrons this Woo! week. Woohoo! Woo! A total of six. Actually, wow. technically, it's five. One of them I read last week, but it was at the end of the episode, so I'm going to do him a solid, and I'm going to read it again wow. today at the beginning of the episode. And that is, we have Justin from Calvary Customs, new patron, Mr. Dave Embry. I'm going to come back to him in a second, Sedge. Sal the Carpenter Donato We have Mr. Peter Bates We have Bailey Thompson And last but certainly Not least everybody Our good friend Mr. Eric Gorgeous No way he's a patron Yes, That's That's freaking awesome Mr. Eric Gorgeous Became (laughs) a patron Thank you so much Eric We appreciate you and, yes. uh, hopefully we can, uh, deduct that cost off my motorcycle one day. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, I watched, uh, I watched a little craftsman's legacy this weekend Did you? on, on YouTube. Yeah. He was great show. Eric.
0: He was feeling nostalgic. He missed you.
2: Which, yeah. uh, which episode do you remember? Um, I actually watched two of them. Um, one was a guy in Kentucky, a woodworker who built chairs. Yep. Saw that really good. That one? Really good. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was awesome. It was good show.
1: He picks these unbelievable craftsmen, mm-hmm. and I mean, one of my favorites is the hat maker. Yes he went,
2: and it's really cool. He makes custom yes. hats. Yeah, it's really good. Eric I is never on a knew TV show. Hmm?
0: Eric is on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I think more than this, one. This old house that was called. Cool? Oh my god! <laughs> no, they, he's, thank you. They, so they, chill. Oh, he's the best a uh, huge thank you to uh, all the new patrons and existing patrons obviously we we appreciate it we're very excited because over the last couple of episodes now that we have uh some has been on our podcast by the name of Ronnie Fulton, it seems like people really like that so Um, we're going to keep driving, (laughs) keep driving on, but I'm just so glad
2: that it didn't go down. (laughs) you were like, well, we're now down 10.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Sedge. I said, I wanted to go back to a Dave Embry who, just so you know, that is who our question uh, is from tonight. He sent me a question, but since he's a patron, I'm using it for this episode tonight, but do you know who Mr. Dave Embry is? God,
1: that name is so daggone familiar.
0: I'll give you a hint. Shoot. His uh, wife is from West Virginia. No yeah. way. He,
1: he's married to Gwen? Yeah. Gwen.
0: Gwen She's from West Virginia.
1: <laughs> she complained about, she says, you, you have, she told me I have an accent. I went, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah.
0: Ronnie, we, we met them at uh, the Hartville Tool Show. Okay. Dave and Gwen. You know what? people. But now he's a patron. She said to me, she goes, if I have to hear
1: you every week on the YouTube, <laughs> she goes, I want my picture with you. Do you know that Hartville show was great? And I think that was one of my highlights meeting Gwen and Dave. It was yep. fun. It's
2: awesome.
0: Really neat. good.
1: People. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool.
0: Well, before we get into the question, let's, uh, let's go around the room and see what everybody's been up to. Who would like to go first tonight, gentlemen?
2: Ronnie. Ronnie Wood. Um, my life since I got back was installing my daughter's Christmas present, which was CarPlay in her car. Ooh. It is a Chinese no support product <laughs> that requires you to remove the entire dash. There's only three YouTube videos out about it. Cameron and I spent 16 hours on it, and we're still not done. Uh, it's one of those, What? why did I get myself into this? things. yeah. I actually spent Monday on it. Um, wow. that's, that's a whole other thing. Almost one more step. I kind of have two phases on it. I need to remove her dash now and put all of the boxes and the components in there and then I'll be done with it. But it has been a huge project. That's installing a rear view camera, everything. Steering wheel, steering wheel like controls work and everything when you back up. it's It's amazing. It works, but it's been a huge ordeal. Wow. Um, did, didn't know I was getting into that, just waiting for the weather to be mild. And we had a couple of mild days and it's best to do that kind of stuff outside and not trying to use lights. So mm-hmm. um, that was my idea. Cameron said about three quarters uh, through the day, he was like, dad, this is so fun. But then later on, he's like, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so we've got that. And then I'm also building a, um, for my wife, I told her how I would do it this winter and it's getting, I'm getting nervous. It's February. I'm um, building a um, a bar, like kitchenette area downstairs off our current kitchen area, oh, wow. which is like, uh, it's going to be for like kind of a coffee bar, the Jimmy Buffett margarita machine, place for that to go um, with a, there's a wine fridge in the middle. Um, so it's a cool little project in a, in a corner that we don't really use. So it would be nice, kind of make mm-hmm. that a useful corner. So I have the boxes made, making the face frames tomorrow and I'll probably do a post about that then way cool man that's been pretty much since i got back That's that's all i've pretty much been working on get back from what get back from the festival build-off Ooh, which was you know that was an intense what three days we were there yeah we got a lot of things fit in and a lot of things accomplished and a a lot of building and that was I, uh, I, i i saw your story jason you said you're like coming back from that. You're like, your brain has to almost like, yes, it's hard to come off. And I I was, I've tried to say that to words my wife and I know what you're talking about. You're, you're on, you're smiling, you're talking to all these people that you know and like, and you come home and you're just, it's hard to explain.
0: (laughs) I don't, uh, to be honest with you, I I don't have that same uh, feeling when I get done with Workbench con. I think the difference between the build-off and the event was the entire time. You just look around and everybody has got their phones out filming whatever it is that you're doing or something that's going on, and it's just exhausting and all the lives and and everything else. Like it, it was almost like you had to be on twenty four seven. Yes, and I yes. think that was exhausting to me at WorkbenchCon. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I don't, I hardly ever pull out my phone at WorkbenchCon. Mm-hmm. Like WorkbenchCon to me is like a getaway from the social media stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I pull out. I don't know what it I pull was. out I just my felt beer. Exhausted. Yeah, I pull out yeah my other phone, uh, named Michelob Ultra. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. I, I just got back and I'm like, I just need 15 minutes to just sit down and be quiet.
2: Yes. What about you, Sedge?
0: Oh, um,
1: what I've been up to is trying to. You, know, you can never catch up on sleep. <laughs> um i think the the two and a half months uh planning that event and then also um you're going to see a great video i think it's going to be released tonight or tomorrow on youtube um, you know how we had the shaper guys there russ and jake mm-hmm. well they came in monday night and i spent all uh, of tuesday cutting those conference tables and that was a lot of planning with that to make sure those went right because those are my pride and joy there, those tables, those conference tables. They're at Sycamore Walnut Bases. You'll see in the video. Uh, so when you, we talk about, you know, Russ and Jake say, yeah, well, you know, we, they're Doug market pop-ups. you know uh, Yeah, we'll cut those out. And I think last time we recorded, I mean, it was released that I told everybody I was going to do it and I was worried about them we joked around when we sat up there in our pre-planning stage at nine o'clock on Monday on a Tuesday morning and said, I go, how long is it going to take you guys? They go, Oh, we get it all, uh, into our, uh, shape or origins. Um, all four pop-ups which should take us a uh, two hours and that we all started laughing and I go, it's going to take a lot longer than that because we're going we're to be fi- taking a lot of footage uh, I think, and we did a lot of lives from there with on the Shaper uh, web uh, Instagram. Um, so that was, I think, a 12 hour day and it's all going to be boiled down and it'll kill a killer video that Chris just did. And so, you know how Chris was in the build off with us filming and everything, you mm-hmm. know, taking a lot of pictures. I just go, how long is that build off video you're going to release? And he's going to, re- we're going to release it off all three platforms. He goes, a minute 45. Oh, wow. I go well. It's gonna be kind of like uh, a lot of you know uh, pictures and quick vid. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. But he goes, it, you know how much time it takes. I go, yeah, he's been working so hard on those two videos. Plus everybody else is trying to get other stuff uh, uh, taped and everything, and mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. So I there's a lot lot went on last week. I was exhausted all weekend, but I was in my shop. Um, I'm doing a lot of Kaizen cutouts and I have a bunch of foam that I've been working with and doing that, but we didn't film any sedge tool Uh, next weekend. We're going to do a lot of filming because I'm off Monday. So we're going to shoot two full days. It should be a lot of fun. Everybody's been uh, screaming. They want to see a a sis AZ cabinet. And I was talking to Jordan uh, this afternoon and we're going to get some plans done on that, but he's taken off to the UK for a couple of weeks. So a lot of balls in the air, just juggling a lot. You know what? it was so worth it you know Thursday night we took everybody out to Moontown Brewing Mm -hmm. Kirby who uh, is the person there who's the lead for special events she emailed me yesterday and she goes I wanted to thank you blah 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 a lot of really nice email and so I typed back and I said nope thanks is all to you Kirby because about 930 at night I looked around everybody was still there (laughs) and everybody was laughing and
2: smiling that was a perfect venue location. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Um, it was, it was not too, like we were able to talk normal volume to each other, yep. good conversation. All sit down at the table because we're all tired. Yep. <laughs> it was great. And but, all the, all the big
1: wigs were there, you know,
2: mm-hmm. yes.
1: Uh, Jake and Russ, they were like, so thankful. They had such a good time uh, from Shaper um, on the way home today. I was talking with, uh, Alan from Rubio. And he just, he was, he was just thanking me. He was like, that was unbelievable. So Ronnie um, and uh, Jason, you guys have been part of the, did I have enough wood there?
0: Yes. Yeah, de- definitely a, a decent selection of wood for sure. Yeah, uh,
1: Indy urban hardwood came up Monday morning to pick up the remaining slabs. And he just, he was almost in tears. Uh, he wanted to thank me so much uh, for it,
2: uh, including them. Yeah. I'm glad they were able to be in the room during that time and see it. That Mm -hmm. was a great idea. And what meant a lot and I kind of
1: uh, pushed Chris a little is I said, I want a lot of pictures in the lobby with all the makers and all the people who were part of this, who donated their time. And I'm looking back over those pictures because of the auction that's up and running. We've got another nine days on it and people are bidding already. Um, it's pretty amazing when I look at these pictures and look at all the people that were involved with it. It was good. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of successes with it. But I don't think next year if we do the build-off, which I'm sure we're going to at Festival or one of them, um, I don't want to do it in conjunction with the big PR event. Uh, it was too much. Even Brent was commenting. Everybody was three days out for all these influences. It was rough because most of them came in the day before and it was it was tiring you guys were exhausted jess was like wiped out she was so tired yeah so thank by the way thank both of you for being there to help us out and everything it was great um just watching the teams interact and meld together it was perfect hey ron i do want to make a comment i don't know if we're gonna have any video release of this podcast but Dude, you, you, I think you're the Festool employee because you got your Festool hat on
2: and your Festool I t-shirt. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, today is, it, it's 70 degrees today, which is crazy yeah. in February. Yeah, I know. And I was, I can't wear a t-shirt, couldn't wear a sweatshirt. And I was like, well, my wife just, just pulled this out because she just washed it. I was like, I'm putting that back on. These shirts <laughs> are so comfortable. I love them. Yeah. And I thought long sleeve t-shirt was a way to go today. Yeah, man. It and was then, when I jumped in the car to come home today, it was 63 degrees. So I was like, yes. Yeah. And then tomorrow's supposed to be here. supposed to be raining and then some possible snowing on Friday.
1: Yeah. How wonderful.
2: But Miss- you, you know, you know what I was going to say, I, I told my wife, it stresses me out when the weather changes like this, because I have a to-do list of outside things and I have a to-do list of inside things. And whenever the weather changes like this and I didn't mm-hmm. look ahead of time, I get stressed out because I should be tackling my outside list, but I don't have the materials or the supplies to do that. So then I feel guilty for being inside because it was my inside list day. (laughs) I don't know. Is it just me? (laughs) No, I same, same stresses me out when the weather changes. I don't want to complain. I love it being nice weather, but when it's February, I almost would rather it be consistently cold and just let me do my thing and don't throw me off. Yeah. So you can knock it out. Yes. Yes. Mr.
1: Bent, what have you been up to?
0: uh well of course i was also at the uh festival launch event and the build-off which i was not supposed to participate in the build-off uh and i tried like hell to get out of it every time every time you asked every time somebody dropped out but uh on that very the night before somebody had dropped out so thank you then i was stuck you're welcome i'm glad that i did it and i'm glad that i got to be on uh got to build something with mr mike coffee um It was just a good time. Enjoyed the teams, but i never built anything with him specifically before. And I always wondered what that would be like. And it was a lot of fun. So um, good event. I was exhausted when it was all over. Um, But the big news, everybody, the big news is I am officially retired. (laughs) Well, kind of officially, but retired. So uh, Sunday night, I went down and stayed the night down at Fort Knox and woke up the next morning and went on base and went through that whole process, which I talked about in my stories uh, yesterday. was a very disappointing, uh, difficult process. And unfortunately, my last memory of the military was as one that I don't love. Um, I don't, did you guys see my stories talking about I that? Did. I
1: did. So I saw the stories uh, when you got there.
0: Okay, so I'll, I'll up- briefly... I'll briefly share it here for, for those that didn't see it, but I swear between last night or yesterday, when I posted that today, I've gotten over a hundred DMS. Um, basically what happened was, is, you know, not that I was expecting really anything different, but the whole process yesterday was, you know, or not yesterday, day before yesterday was longer than it needed to be. It was just not very efficient. And I'm just like, okay, that's typical army. Um, and I do not necessarily mean that in a bad way. It's just what I'm used to. Right. But what really upset me is you go back to your final appointment or your final little uh, desk meeting, and that's where they'll go over your DD-214, which is very important. You get that document, do all that stuff. And at the end of that, the very last thing they do is they hand you your certificates, you know, your presidential certificate, your stuff, one for my wife, one for me, if the president's one. There was an- another one I can't, re- certificate of retirement or whatever. Your retired pin, a couple bumper stickers, that kind of stuff. But ooh, <clears throat> then they bumper handed me stickers. Then they ha- yeah then they handed me a flag and that flag was folded up like a t-shirt inside of a plastic bag as in they just took it out of whatever box that they get their stuff shipped and to me and the army that i grew up in that was not okay and it's unfortunate because that that's that's something that Hmm. would be so simple to do um and it doesn't even have to be the people that necessarily work there. I mean, just people in the military that are on base, being able to do that and give that final retirement flag, not in a plastic bag, but folded properly yeah. to that individual that's retiring after 20 years. And and I prefaced my stories by saying, you know, I, I specifically chose not to do a retirement ceremony. Had I done a retirement ceremony, that absolutely would have happened. Um, but it would have been my unit that did it. That's how they would have got the stuff, but my unit would have done that. And it's not even that I wanted those things done. I didn't expect anything. I didn't expect my certificates to be in a frame. What really bothered me about the whole thing is that the person that worked there, when she handed me that flag, looked at me and said, oh, and I'm sorry it's not folded, but that's just the way that we get them. And that told me everything that I needed to know about that situation. And that was that we know this is not the right answer. And I'm just letting you know that we know this is not the right answer. Best of luck. That's the impression that I got. So that was my last encounter in uniform in the army was that specific thing. And it just, it bothered me. um, And it's bothered me a little bit since I actually spoke to my Sergeant major about it today and we kind of shared some ideas back and forth and, Mm -hmm. I guess if she probably wouldn't have made that comment, I don't think I would have been as bothered, Mm. but she did. She made the comment. So anyways, I shared that my stories just because I wanted to get it off my chest. I wanted to get it off my chest here. Um, It is what it is, to be honest with you. I'm kind of glad that it happened now looking back on it because the day before (laughs) I was actually starting to get a little bit, you know, nostalgic about the military. Like, oh, tomorrow's going to be my last day, you know? And then that day happened and I was like, okay, I'm ready to be done. Let's get (laughs) home and start creating content and building things. So that was unfortunate. However, all sadness aside, I am extremely happy uh, that it is now over and done with. My solution to the flag issue is I'm going to leave it in that bag until I go visit Patrick uh, next month and him and I are actually going to fold it properly. Um, and maybe while I'm there, we'll make a little flag display case for it. So, uh, a bunch of people have said, Hey, that'd be really cool. You should do it and make a video about it. So maybe, maybe I'll do that, but, um, I'm done. It's time to move on to, to new things. Ben's woodworking full-time, uh, today, the glass guys came and they installed the glass wall says what they so did. It looks awesome it does look great there is an issue and they're gonna they're gonna remedy the issue um the cut the wall portion closest to the door actually kind of bows like this yeah very slightly however it was slight enough when they took the measurement at the top and bottom to push the glass over enough to where there really is no gap at the door Mm -hmm. so the, the the guy that installed it you know, tried as much as he could to, to make it work. And it was just making things off and he didn't want to get too too far into it. So um, at the top where the glass meets, the gap was almost non-existent. I could basically put two sheets of paper in between the two glass doors and I could re- let, take my hand off and they would stay there. Here, here, at the here, here, bottom... Um... Uh-oh. it's okay. I'm trying to look on
1: your account, your oh. stories about your glass.
0: Um, on the bottom... Sorry, there was it's all right on the bottom there's about an eighth inch gap, so it's just the way that it happens. so basically what they're gonna do, I talked to the installers today they're like, hey, let's give it because it wasn't it wasn't rubbing or anything. They're like, here's the deal. if those hinges have any movement in them and the glass slips at all, you're gonna know within the next twenty four hours. so let's give it like a day um and if it slips then wow. we'll, we'll figure something something out looks oh, it looks amazing. Wow, yeah, those, yeah it looks. The-
2: can't they adjust the glass and the hinges? Can't they adjust it? Because the hinges they, are basically, it grabs, right? It's like a set screw that correct. grabs the glass. Yeah. Yes,
0: and they did. They did do that. Um, but there's only a certain point that they're supposed to go. And, and they've already maxed it out, basically. Ah, okay. The first side went in perfectly. It was that, that second side. So uh, I think what they're going to end up doing is I think they're actually, there was a slight defect on one of the doors. It wasn't a scratch. It was actually something that was like protruding from the glass. And it was really weird. They said maybe when they like put it in the fire or whatever that they do to temper it. I don't, I don't know anything about glass, but something that may have been like stuck to it. So like you take a razor blade and you actually run it across it, it will stop the razor blade. Oh. Um, so they took pictures of that. What I think what they're gonna try to do is get another door. Um, and when they get the new door, I think they're just gonna subtract basically like a quarter of an inch to give them the space they need. And I already, I, they left, uh, you know, around three, three 30 or so. And I called the, the owner of the company or I sent him a message because when Nicole got home, we were looking at it and sure enough, the, the hinges already settled just a little bit. Oh. And the top, the top pieces are touching when it's perfectly closed. When you move it, you can hear it. It's like scrape, 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 scrape. Yeah. So, so I sent him a note Damn. and I just said, just wanted to let you know that the top is, is scraping now. And he goes, not a problem tomorrow. We're going to, we're going to work uh, to do it. We're just going to subtract a quarter inch off the width and give us the space that we need to bad, to get everything perfect.
1: Bad to the bone. I'm
2: looking at sound. Does it, does May, it block sound? It, it
0: doesn't block it completely, but it's it, like, if, if I was in there talking to you and you were on the other side of the glass, it would definitely sound muted. Awesome. So it'll help. It'll like, at some point I would love to record the podcast in there. Um, Wow. The only issue is that Leo's bedroom is right above it. Hmm. And so something that I might do when we replace the carpet in his room is get one of the cellulose foam guys to come out and actually fill the the cavity bef- before we actually put down new carpet, just to help dampen some of that noise transmission. And then I can just always use it for the podcast moving forward. You're going
1: you're gonna to get your cavity filled with
0: foam? Yep. Love getting my cavity filled. Nice.
2: You know, you know what else she can do is, um, do that, the dense, the dense rubber, um, instead of the foam padding, that makes a huge difference.
0: I will also do that.
2: Yes. That makes a huge difference.
0: That I talked about this and this is kind of a good segue. Well, sort of, it's kind of a good segue into the topic tonight, but, um, when I did the noise, uh, the soundproofing in my garage, I did it in a way that if I ever needed to improve it, I would be able to improve it inside the house and not have to do anything in the, in the shop. And that is exactly one of the things that I would do to not only his bedroom, but our master bedroom, which is directly above, is when we do replace the carpet, I would get that thick sound blocking uh, under pad. Yes. Um, huh. And I think that that will make a, make a huge difference. But all uh craziness that we've been up to in the last few days aside.
2: Hey, can, can we take one break for a second? Let me let Cameron say hey real fast. He's getting ready to leave. Absolutely I, I fine. Seat. Cameron just say fine. Hi. Hey, hey. brother.
0: <laughs>
2: tell tell me <him laughs> he to in a get few his,
0: weeks. He needs to get his 3D printer Wait. affiliate code. Yeah.
2: You need to get your 3D printer affiliate code. We talked about it last night. They haven't even that. Yeah, we talked about it. Okay, cool. Sure. Good seeing you. Bye. Tell mom I t- said hi. Okay. Good seeing you, buddy. His mom's picking him up. He was riding out here, riding his dirt bike in the nice weather. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Nice.
0: <laughs> All right. Our question tonight, uh, episode 74, our fourth episode in the series is always a patron episode. We did get, uh, when I asked that question, said, do you remember when we brought the patron on, Mr. Mike Leiden? Yep. Uh, one of the guys was saying, bring on another patron again. And I, I do definitely want to do that. But at that point, it was just a little bit late. So maybe we need to... We need to uh, take a look at that or talk about it while we're down at WorkbenchCon, maybe how we can go about doing that. Um, Crap, I just had it. Okay, so the question tonight is from uh, Dave Embry, one of our new patrons. Gwen from West Virginia's husband. Hi, Gwen! Also a veteran, by the way. <clears throat> Wicked. Um, So he did not ask this on Patreon. He actually posed this question, I think, before he became a patron. But since he is now a patron... I figured this is an excellent topic to talk about tonight. And the question was, do you think a shop space can be too big? And then I expanded on that a little bit. um, And he kind of had this in his question as well, but how much space does one really need? Mm. Um, I guess he's building a new space and it's like this massive space, right? So um, I just thought it would be a really interesting conversation because I think most woodworkers um, will say, no, a shop can never be too big. And I think we're all going to have a different opinion on that. Um, So real quick, we'll just go around the room and we'll say, answer yes or no. Can a shop be too big? And I will go first. My answer is absolutely yes. A shop can be too big. Ronnie?
2: Absolutely yes. Shop can be too big.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. A shop can be too big.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: See, I think most people are like, no, you, you have to have a big shop. So my reasoning behind that is, and we'll, we'll again, we'll just kind of go through, go through this, but a shop can be too big for a lot of reasons. One, the bigger the space, um, the more spread out your tools are going to be, or um, the more you're just going to feel like you need to fill that space, right? The, the, having a shop is always one of those things where it's like, what size should I build it? doesn't matter what size you build it because whatever size you build, you eventually will grow out of it unless you build a space that's just too big. And even then, in most cases, uh, it's likely that you will grow out of it. But if you are somebody that is just building, you know, small things for Etsy, cutting boards, coasters, that kind of stuff, do you need a 60 by 40 shop? The answer is no, right? Um, Can a shop be too small? Yeah, of course. Mm. but it's highly dependent on what it is that you do. And every single shop, no matter what size it is, there's always going to be trade-offs. The bigger your shop gets, the more those trade-offs come into play. And I'll give an example in my own shop. So I have my shop laid out the way that I do for a reason, right? And right next to my garage door where I bring in lumber, where, what do you think I put right next to my garage door? Lumber. Why? Because I would rather take a hundred board feet off my truck and put it very close rather than the 20 board feet I need for a, pro- a project and walk it across the shop. Right? So if you have this massive space and you have your assembly table on one side, that's a much longer trip to go. And it's just kind of a needed where I think the, the conversation of having really big shops and really big space is shops that have a lot of people working in it and shops that are in the business of
1: production
0: cabinet, cabinetry uh, a shop right you you
1: gotta store your cabinets somewhere mm-hmm. especially if you're waiting on jobs for the install that's why you need a big shop that's why i needed a decent-sized shop
0: and yours yeah. was probably set up in a way to where it was a it was a system right oh yeah stuff comes in here it goes 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 here, it goes here and yep. it ends here and it goes out the shop
1: Finishing was at the second bay
0: door, first bay
1: door, all the lumber came in. I had these humongous racks and I would just peel it right down, right onto the saw. I had a 108 inch beast Maya on the backside. We had a a dado stack with my 66 biomatic 66. And it was just, it was a flow and Mm -hmm. it was, we were a frameless cabinet shop. So we had a banding area we had where we punched all our doors and uh it um our chop saw area all our milling area was all there with our jointes and our planers, and then finishing area and it was a it's all about flow but we needed that because on the back of the finishing area we would tap it where we would have cabinets or builds waiting for installs and sometimes we were waiting for final uh colors from the uh clients you know and mm-hmm. oh god back then we didn't have really cell phones <laughs> and you know we had the stuff called voicemails <laughs> what <laughs> and pagers and it, it was it was crazy oh you didn't leave me a message uh, yes we did you yeah, know i paged you 911 <laughs> there was always some hold up somewhere it was yeah you know in the tin can and string didn't work either
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm sorry I interrupted. You can keep going, but.
0: No, I was going to kick it over to Ronnie. What are your thoughts? Um, well, actually, you know what? Like... Hold on. I totally forgot something I wanted to do. I wanted to share our shop sizes. Okay. To give people a little bit of context. So I have a 20 by 30 sh- uh, space, Sedge. Mm. Yeah. Yours is about the, the same, same, right? Yeah. I got a three the...
2: saw garage now.
0: What? <laughs> Ronnie, yeah. what size is your shop?
2: My my woodworking area, in the, what is shown most is 32 by 30 but then my original building that's right next to it, I added on is a 24 by 32. And I use that primarily just for parking my van still as a regular garage. And my CNC is in front of that because it's 32 feet deep. So that's that allows my CNC to not be in my workspace, which is a full size CNC, it's 10 feet long. It takes up a fair amount of space so that I'm able to keep that over there.
0: Okay, right. now
2: your thoughts. So my thoughts, it sounds like we're kind of in the same, same thought. Mine mine is when people say shop, we talked about storage, it's your work area. When I think about there's two different things, there's your work area and then there's your storage of your goods or what you're making. And I feel like that even though my shop has been in a driveway, it's been in a one and a half car garage, it's been in a two car garage, it's been in a basement. And then it came to the original part I talked about 32 by 30. <clears throat> and then I built the 32 by I'm sorry, 24 by 32 and now it's a 32 by 30. And I've had people comment regularly like, when do you think you're gonna head on to your shop again? I'm not, I'm I'm perfectly happy with the size of my shop. I'm actually not even using really all of the 32 by 30. I find I'm always kind of in the general area I'm in right now, which is my workbench, my wall where I have all of my handheld tools. I spend most of my time here. I have all my um, fixed machinery over on the other side of the room. And, you know, that's just going over there to do that. But I think it's kind of a guy thing when we think chops seem to be big. Because you think about it, you don't really hear people talking about how big's your kitchen. You know, how big it's like, oh, I've got my stove over here. And then hey, 30 uh, feet away, I've got my refrigerator. Right. And then I've got, you know, even I'm in really nice houses all the time. No matter how massive the house is, even if a kitchen is really large, that work area is generally the same size. The island mm-hmm. might be huge. Mm-hmm. The refrigerator might be four wide but generally everyone kind of has the same working area. And I've found that to be the case. Um, It's all about, for me, shop size is what you're making. When you start building big cabinets, you quickly see the limitations of your shop because they quickly overtake you if you don't have the room. And for me, that's really nice that I have that overflow where I park my van. If I'm building Mm -hmm. really big things, I will move it out to there to keep it out of my way. So it's nice to have the room, but I think it's really important that someone starts out with this small space and learns how to work in that.
1: Yeah, good yeah. point. I uh I'll I'll comment cuz I interrupted you, Jason, before, but I uh-huh. uh, I have lumber storage area, that's where my milling is. And I got my bench area, and I have to stay as organized as possible. In the kitchen, it's the golden triangle, isn't it? It's the sink, the oven, and the fridge. Yes. And uh, um <clears throat> I don't like to be too many steps away from things. Even at Festool, everybody knows I hate having to move things two or three times
0: Mm -hmm.
1: where, hey, lumber comes in. This is where it's stored. Okay. That's how my shop is here at home. Uh, And then, you know, sometimes it's just, oh, I got to move this to get to that. No. Organize your shop where, hey, it's going to come in. I'm going to mill it, thickness it, joint it, and get everything ready. OK, that's the process. And then, OK, now I'm going to do my joinery. Then I'm going to do my embellishments. Then I'm going to do my assembly. OK, and then I'm going to do my finishing. Mm-hmm. So think of that process and not having to move everything. And guess what? That's always a work in process. It, it, it always it will change because how many steps does it take? Start counting steps. Like from my bench to my table saw, from my multifunction table to, I think you guys all know, now I have another SIS wall at home. I spent a lot of money on those SIS AZ drawers and three drawer sortainers, but I love organization. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say, oh, where is that? I know where it is spend the time to organize ronnie i look at your wall all the time and i go okay there's a flex cut draw knife there's but you know where everything is
2: and then you know that i've got this wall right here too then yeah baby <laughs> but it, it's it, it's easy and nothing in that container is what went in it it's all it's it, i use them like drawers
1: <laughs> yeah and you know what i'm constantly learning because did you guys see the hand plane uh sortainer i had for the build-off with my hand planes in there mm-hmm. yes okay oh, sweet. those have a place to live in my shop but I've actually, I'm doing, a, I'm going to do a video on that because I got a really cool title for it. But when I go somewhere, those are my tools those coveted five, six hand planes I have that I want to take with me in case I need them to tweak something. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a tool go box on that. And, you know, it's, it's empty, but it's Kaizen. So I know what to take and I don't have to think about it. i I'm tell you what, I'm a Kaizen foam insert guy. I, it's I know so, a place for everything and everything is place. And if I, something's missing, I know what's missing because I see the insert.
0: So I think organization is one of those things that people often overlook when it comes to shop size because uh, or shop layout. What people aren't thinking about if you're more organized. If you have a system, you can fit a lot more into your space and have it be less cluttered. And a lot of people don't think about that. They're just like, oh, I have this space over here that's empty. This is where I'm going to put my tools. Uh, I did did one of the pre-workbench con Zoom classes. Ronnie was actually in there. And one of the things that I alluded to is I feel like people get in this habit of conforming to the space they're in instead of having their space conform to what they need. And I gave an example from the military on that in that class. And it was when I was a drill sergeant, we would uh, be teaching privates uh, basic rifle marksmanship. And the very first thing you do in basic rifle marksmanship is group and zero your weapon. And when you're doing that, you're not wearing any of your equipment. You're trying to be as comfortable as possible. You're using sandbags as support. And I used to tell my soldiers all the time, I tell them, you adjust the sandbags to your body, do not adjust your body to the sandbags. And what would I see them do? Well, sure enough, they'd go out there and the sandbags would be all low and they would just cock their elbows out and they'd scrunch way down and then they'd have trouble shooting. And it's because they conform to the sandbags. And I think a lot of people do that in their shop. And what I mean by that is, um, I have this wall that doesn't have anything on it. I just got this tool. I need a place to put it. That's where it's going. It's not in the best place in their shop. Instead, it's in the place that gave them the least resistance and was the easiest to place it. And that causes problems, right? And if they took the time, if people took the time to actually, and I'm guilty of this too. I I mean, I want to get way more organized than I am. Um, And when I look around my shop, it's like, this is here, this is here, this, all these things could be organized in a much Uh more better way and save a lot of space. And then therefore you have a lot more space. Does that make sense? Big time.
1: So Jason, every time you've been coming over to the house, just about every other weekend, my shop morphs, doesn't it? It does. Okay. Cause I was tight in there and now I'm no longer tight. It's because I took that old router bit cabinet that I had all those pieces and pots that I've been saving. I decluttered it, but it went into that new wall. Now, here's another one. I've changed it again because this will go to what I was talking about earlier. I hate to walk 10 steps across the shop to get something. I just moved my drill, my drill press again. Okay, but where were the drill bits? On the other side by the beer fridge. I just moved that whole thing over and I started analyzing it this weekend and going, you know what? I need to go through all of this because I got... it's not that I have way too much. Do I need this anymore? And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of friends I have out there that I just, I give it to them because they're getting into woodworking. Mm. I don't, am I going to use this again? No, I probably won't. And if I do, I'll go get something. But Or I know who I've given it to and I can borrow it from them. (laughs) Right. You know, so that's kind of my life where I don't want the clutter anymore because I can't afford to waste any time searching for something.
0: Well, I know Ben kind of got us on that, but Ronnie, I don't know if you remember listening to, to some of the earlier episodes that, that Ben would talk about how, if he doesn't have a, if he has a tool that he doesn't use for a year, he just gets rid of it. And I don't know what it was, but it was like a light bulb went off and Sedge and I had both. And we were like, all right, start decluttering. Cause I think a lot of people have a tendency to keep everything in the event that they might need to use it one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're, you know, they're, they're worried about space, right? Yeah. What do you need?
2: Uh- so when when I went into full time land, doing projects or remodeling, woodworking, I would, I would come across, I would have really expensive materials left over, and in my mind first I was like, I can store this, and the next time that I have a project, it's going to save money, and you keep doing that, and you keep doing that, but the reality when you get a new project, you don't want to reuse that old piece of treks that you save for example because you don't think it's going to match or you just end up storing things so it took me mm-hmm. about 10 years I would say <laughs> to realize that I was becoming a store warehouse for a lot of things that I was never planning on using again so I finally decided just to start throwing things away because even though they were valuable materials I was it was costing money in my shop for me to store that and it to be taking up that valuable space so I passed especially two or three years it doesn't bother me anymore. I just toss it but it was it was hard for a while. I did hang on to a bunch of ePay. I have a bunch of ePay from a project where they they paid for sixteens, and it was a ten foot area, and I have six foot long pieces, and that stuff's like gold. But you know, when right. am I going to use it,
1: Ron? Right. You remember the days when you were scratching to get the right materials because you yes. didn't have a lot
2: of money. Yeah, oh yeah, oh that yeah, sits, that's what that that's, sits in your head. You're right, you're right. I mean, I was saving Western red cedar scraps, rough oh. on red, you know, all of that because it's all stuff that's that's gold. You know, and I had those Baker racks um, just had them just stacked on there, but I barely knew what was even on there. It was just taking up room. So I, I've learned that if you're not using it and along that same note with like using it, um, I got rid of my tile saw because I don't do tile a lot. But when I do, I rented one from a tile shop, a big professional one. Mm-hmm. That's what, but you don't do tile a lot. Don't store that in your shop. Rent it when you want to use It's $45 a day. So I've learned there's certain tools like a 16 foot extension step ladder. I use those sometimes. Those are huge. They cost $600. Just rent one for like $30 every time I need one. Mm -hmm. So I try to start some things that make sense to rent and not store Mm -hmm. when you don't use them a lot and you can get the really nice and then it's gone and they can make the other one is things they maintain. I mean, I'm like that with the pressure washer. I have one. If I had to over again, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have a pressure washer. Use it once a year. Let them maintain the motor, do all that kind of stuff. You just take it, give it back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I told Marianne, uh, I was thinking about getting a pressure washer. She goes, just get one. I don't want to store it. I got the shed now. I have room in the shed.
2: They There I am with a
1: shed, and I want to put stuff in it. And I said, no way. I borrow Rick's. And Rick goes, I'm thinking I'm getting rid of it. I'm just going to rent. That's really good advice, Ronnie, rent. Well,
2: I learned that the hard way, too. Everything that I've learned, I've learned it the hard way. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, so I think there's a lot of value. There's something that we haven't said. And that you talked about, it's it's like an ego thing. It's a man thing. You know, how big is your shop? I could have the biggest shop possible. I feel like you appreciate your space a lot more when you're going from a smaller to a larger. I feel like if you were to just start out with a large space and you start storing all those things, it act, the bigger the space you have, the more it gives you that mentality of what you're talking about where you will just hoard everything. Oh, Yeah. And is it nice to have that space? Yes. But at the end of the day, did you need it? You know, and that goes back to the other question that I posed on this is like, how much space do you actually need? And one thing that I think people um, fail to do when they're planning a shop space is one, it's hard to envision a space unless you're actually in it Mm -hmm. and you see it. But it's one thing to be in a space that's empty versus a space that has a bunch of stuff in it. When I came and looked at this uh, space with nothing in it, it seemed much bigger to me mm-hmm. than it's the same exact size as my last shop. but it seemed much bigger than my shop because there was nothing in it. And so a lot of times I think people start getting this idea in their head. they're like, "Oh, I could have this here and I could have this here." And before you know it, you have all of this space around your tools. And is that cool? It is sometimes. right? So it's cool if you need a lot of space to store something, but when you're working, would do you really want to take 15 steps from your assembly table or your miter saw to your jointer and planer? No. Do you want to have these carts that you're rolling around you know, to, to move stuff? And this also goes back to the thing I was saying about people end up putting things in locations that may not be the best spot. It's just what's available, right? So when it comes to your shop size and, and thinking about how much space do you really need, that's where coming in, and and using a software like SketchUp that has scaled models of your tools makes the most sense because you will see your space and just how much uh, space is in between and, and what can go where and what the best layout and everything is. Um, my shop's 20 by 30. Even with all the big tools that I have, I'm pretty happy with my space. Would I like it to maybe be just a little bit larger for for certain reasons? Of course, right? But do I need a 50 by 70 shop? Absolutely not. As a hobbyist, absolutely not.
2: Because, you know, the other factor is when you get into that, you start having to look at lighting, heating, yep. AC, mm-hmm. all of those factors. It costs a lot more to make it comfortable. There's yep. there's a lot to that. That's another reason why you wouldn't want to go grand, yep. And ceiling if, height too, a higher if, ceilings.
0: If it's bigger, everything costs more. And boy, let me tell yes. you, uh, how many times I've had that conversation with Nicole, with you know, with this house versus the old, you said, you remember our old house? It was like mm-hmm. 2,200 square feet, single level. This house, not including the basement, is like 3,700 square feet, but it's got a, base, a full-size basement as well, right? So everything is more, more windows, more carpet, more flooring, more everything. So every little thing that I have to get done costs more money. Same thing applies to a shop.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So, hey, Ronnie, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. You know uh, that um, you and Dusty were milling that uh, walnut? Mm-hmm. Okay. What What was the square on that? Was that uh, inch and three-quarter by inch and three-quarter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's really cool? Yeah. You guys left those scraps. Mm-hmm. I saved them. <laughs>
2: Oh, did you really? Oh, hell yeah. You, awesome. you know
1: why? why? Because I have um, I have a, people just looked at me going, that's really small. I go, yeah, but I can turn that. Oh, that's, it's a nice walnut. <laughs> Over the years, I've saved certain pieces uh, from projects that are really nice exotic hardwoods or really nice hardwoods. And I go, someday I'll turn that. And when I turned on my lathe a couple of years ago, I started turning all kinds of cool things and handles and stuff like that. So Yes, oh, I'm cool. still a little bit of a pack rat when it comes yeah, to mice. I
2: Yeah, I still do it. I still have two shelves that I put things on, and, and I have to sometimes go through it. Cameron uses a lot of it. Yep. He likes to just play around and make things, so he just pulls things off from that. He'll make, like, cutting boards from it, things like that, so that yeah. that's nice.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, something that um, I had an aha moment, kind of what we're talking about just, like, two weeks ago. I had a bright idea that I was going to use a two-by-two square and build an A-frame a few years ago for my clamps, all my Bessie clamps, and Mm -hmm. everything was going to go on there. And when I built a project, I would roll it over to where I was working, and all my clamps would be right there. And that was my thinking. Reality, you know what reality was? It blocked my view, and Mm -hmm. I didn't really like it being close to my work area. So I would push it as far away from my assembly table as possible. Then when I needed two clamps, I would walk across my entire shop to go get those two clamps, bring it back. And after a while I realized I never pulled that over because I didn't want it to be in my way. So Mm -hmm. I went back to wall storage for my clamps. It's like, it's the difference is unbelievable. Even Mm -hmm. Cameron's talked about, he's like, dad, why did we go away from clamps on the wall? I was like, because it just sounded like a better idea, but it was not. And so sometimes you got to do trial and error. um, But that has been a huge improvement. And Mm -hmm. I think if you're, if you constantly think about what you're doing, especially when you have one of those long marathon days, Like you said, Jason, walking too far to the saw, to the different things, you really start feeling it when you're walking all day and you start wanting things to be as close as possible.
1: Yeah, I made made one of those massive A-frames and I actually moved it up from Fort Lauderdale to this shop here because I was really proud of it. And in the middle of the A-frame, I had all kinds of storage. That took up a hell of a footprint at the base, two foot by two foot. It does. When I finally cut that up and started storing clamps on the wall, I went, you, but you know what? You built that. You took the time to build it. You Mm -hmm. don't want to get rid of it. So you dick with it around the shop and you finally get rid of it and you go, why am I holding on to that?
2: Mm -hmm. Yep. And Cameron said the same thing. He was like, dad, I like this way so much better. And I was like, yep, I totally agree. Um, but and I ended up just putting in the burn pile, but yeah, it was it was my wonderful creation. I was so proud of. But I also struggled with getting um getting clamps to go on their right. You know they want to fall down. You're you're spending more time hanging them up. The, the walls are you can see it. Reach up, put it on there, walk away. Keeps yeah. them a little more straight. Same same.
1: Th- think about this. You know you I call them time trophies. Go in anybody's shop. There's a jig hanging on the wall. Well, there's a whole area of jigs. Do you actually use them again? Right. Yes. You Same know. Trick. But hey, you're damn proud of it. You, you spent two or three hours just to take that board and go honk, 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 by a router bit or a table saw. Worked great for that build, and you go, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that someday. You hang it on the wall. You're so daggone proud of it, or you put it up on the shelf, and you never
2: ever yeah. use it. So true. Yeah but it's
1: such um, a tough thing to throw away a
2: time trophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a good word for a, it. Time trophy. I like that.
0: One of the things uh, that I was talking about in the class, Ronnie, you even uh, mentioned something about this, but that I 70% of my shop or 80% of my shop is in one third of my shop. Mm-hmm. Right. The other two thirds has very little. Um, and I, I bring that up because you had talked about you trying to get as many things in a small area. Um And what I would challenge people to do is like whatever area that is in your space. For me, it's my assembly table, right? Everything revolves around this area because I mill my lumber from this table. I assemble things from this table. I do my joinery at this table. I cut things to final length from this table. When I say from this table, I mean, my, my materials are resting here, but everything, all the tools that I need to use from this table are very close by. So I always utilize this as my, my place. And because of that, 70 or 80% of the things that I need at that table are all around that table. Um, the rest of my shop is is very is very open. And, and again, this goes back to people don't look at their space like that, right? They look at their space as what do I have in here now and where can I fit more stuff? And like Ced was talking about, he had a drill press on one side of the room, but his drill bits that he used at the drill presses on the other side of the room. That makes absolutely no sense. And then it's like this light bulb goes off in your head. like, why do I not have those things close by? Let's take care of that. And then that frees up space for something else, right? I think what a lot of people have a tendency to do is take the easy route versus the hard route. Exactly. And the hard route for somebody that already has an existing space is moving everything and then finding out they don't like something, so they never do it. They just live with what they have. Mm. And again, that's where something like a 3D modeling software or graph paper or something like that where you can move the tools without any sweat equity into it and see that space before you actually commit to it um and also have a a second set of eyes also a second set of eyes right
1: immensely jason just by going move that over there do that with that and i went oh yeah
0: yeah i mean we, we, we get blinded by what we've be- become accustomed to. You always become accustomed to the environment that you're in, regardless of how hard or how easy it is. So when something is really, really hard, you kind of become accustomed to that. So when things get a little bit easier, it's really nice. When you're in a situation where everything is really easy all the time, if it gets a little bit hard, you're like, oh God, this is so much work. In reality, you're like, no, it's not, right? It's just that you're, you're accustomed. And the same thing applies to your, your shop environment, I think. Um, I'll share something, right? So, you guys have both been in my shop. You you've seen the layout that I have the layout for what I have right now works really good. Um, tomorrow morning, I'm getting on a plane early in the morning and I'm going to Felder uh, mm-hmm. and I'm going to spend two days at Felder and I'm going to be looking at some tools. And there, I am considering putting a sliding table saw in my shop this year. And t- I have a 20 by 30 shop, everybody 20 by 30, right? I have a mm-hmm. saw stop and the bandsaw and the joiner planer combo and all these things. Right. And I, I can absolutely fit that machine in my shop. And I've already been thinking about what would I do differently? How would I maneuver these things around? What would be the best uh, setup for this? Could I uh, support a sliding table saw with a outrigger table? Right. Cause I was thinking about, I probably don't need the outrigger table. Well, could I make it work with an outrigger table? And so I'm already thinking like, how can I utilize this space uh, in order to achieve that? It's not a for sure thing that I'm going to do it yet, but I'm very interested in it and, all I'm doing is I'm just going and I'm taking a look at my space and how much space do you really need in between tools, right? How much space, what can I move to capitalize and utilize the space best for whatever the tool is, right? Um, And so that's something that I've I've been working through. And so again, 20 by 30 shop. Could I put a slider in here? Yeah, I think I can.
2: Right. You know, you know um, what's helped me when on the 3D modeling part, like on SketchUp, is I'll take the actual footprint of whatever it is. Like say it's my Powermatic 66, and I'll also draw a square of the path of the largest thing that I can imagine putting yes. through it on mm-hmm. each side, and then that way you see the true footprint of mm-hmm. what it is, and you can e- more easily visualize where everything's going the same direction. Like a drum sander and the the and the saw could be next to each other because they're both taking the same path that helps my brain to see that. Yep. Cause yeah, I'll tell you what, it's the 10 feet forward,
1: 10 feet aft that you need for material yes. on that table. saw. people don't understand that. And, and to the right and to the left, how big's your fence? How, how you know, what do you think in a going cross cut? Yeah. You know? That,
2: you know, and that's something too, that my, my 66, I bought that. That was one of my first major tools that I bought. Like I guess it would be 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 20, 20 years ago. and, I rarely, rarely use the full right side of the table. Usually, I'm doing, you know, ripping. I, I'm going to use the track saw before I put a big, massive thing and try to cross cut on there. Mm-hmm. So I don't need the area to the left and right as much as I thought. It's the, out, it's the ten feet front and back. Yep. That's what I use all the time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: all the time. So you had a sixty six, not this two thousand thing. I have the five horsepower sixty six. Five horse. I had a, yeah. I had the three horse sixty six. You know, you and know, that, know, I bought that it. Cast iron was. Awesome is awesome. You know, I bought it on Amazon. Free shipping, no tax, two thousand dollars. Sweet. Okay, so they were trying to entice people at the time on Amazon and they were not charging tax or shipping. And so I that's where I bought my joiner and my saw. And people are like, Your tool is getting delivered to your house. I'm like, Yeah, it's free. Liftgate service and everything.
1: We were we were cutting on a unisaw, and my buddy Tony said, Hey, I need to store my 66 at your shop. I go, Okay, what's happening? I'm going to jail. (laughs) Oh gosh. <laughs> so we uh, grabbed a sixty-six and just built it into our table system and it was awesome. We just threw a dado stack on it. but there's nothing like a that was when uh Powermatic, I think. This is just me speaking out there. Powermatic was Powermatic. They they were made in McKinville, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. And boy, that, that Mennonite, they, they always talked about it, but that's that really nice cast iron. And they and always called Baldor, it
2: and they cast Baldor motor. Baldor yep. five horsepower. Yeah, he said it's it's it lasts longer than I do. I mean, it's yep. made to run two shifts a day, you know, yeah. seven and, days a week.
1: And that that is a massive motor. That five yes, horse. But my belt,
2: my belt, uh, Baldor three horse was huge. Yeah, it's a massive motor. You could yeah. you can run a blade with no teeth on it. It'll cut wood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you really can.
0: <laughs> God, you're funny, Ronnie.
2: You really can't. I see that when I work on those smaller saws, you know, yeah. I won't mention what, but it, I, I can tell, I can hear the little strain in the motor. Oh, yeah, And that's something I've never heard before. I didn't realize how spoiled I was with that, with that power, but it's a there nice was, saw. There was
1: something I was cutting the other day and it's a super powerful tool. And I've, the first time I ever heard it strain, it'll come to me tonight. Amen. Right, I did so much last week. It was so much daggone fun. It was fun,
0: yeah. you know. Now yeah. that we're talking about this, all I'm doing is just like looking around my shop, going, yeah. all right. how would I, how would I do this?" I, I mean, I love this. You said you know, I this is like one of my favorite things to talk about, right? Because I geek out on, you know, shop layout videos and and shop tours and all this stuff, and it's just like you pick up that one little nugget that you're like, mm-hmm. "Wow, that's a really good idea," or that's like the worst idea ever. You know what I mean?
2: You you know, th- I took, I took your idea in the festival shop for my sheet good storage. Mm-hmm. Your, I have exactly what, when you come in my other section mm-hmm. to the right, I had enough room to put my full sheets. I stand them up and I yep. put them in there and I did that probably four or five years ago and mm-hmm. it's been great. I wouldn't change I, a thing about it.
1: I got that from a buddy of mine, Mark Polito in Fort Lauderdale, actually Sunrise. He, uh, I was always storing in my shop that I had. I was always, I had like uh, old Home Depot uh, racks, mm-hmm. and I stored everything horizontal. And then I was over his shop, and I, I saw him store vertical. Do you know that is the first thing I built in my shop here at home? Yeah, was I was the say, he's got it at his house? Yeah. Oh yeah, vertical yeah, storage I, is where it's at when it comes to that. Um, but I took so. away from Jason. I bought those. Uh, what are they? Those orange racks.
0: The what, horror what? racks.
1: Yeah, those I put those up for uh, my hardwood storage above my double doors, which are now sealed. And I have my SIS wall up
2: to that now. So, yeah, those are nice too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, something else I, I did on your, um, I use pre finished plywood for the floor of it so that it slides up, things slide out really easy.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I put uh, on mine, I use starboard here at home. I had a, okay. a piece of starboard stuff just wicked slick and just that's good yeah pretty cool
2: yeah that's you pick up things when you see other shops for sure there's always oh my god
1: i used to go to other shops and you know for a meeting uh for the south florida woodworkers guild and somebody would be speaking and i'd be in the back looking in their machinist chest to see how they stored stuff and what they had for (laughs) tools and i mean the first thing I did, I was, and yeah, I'm going to drop a name, but I was really blessed my first year with Festool. I went to Sam Maloof's shop, and I got to hang out with Sam Maloof before he passed, and that was in 2007. And what was cool is I started asking him about the jigs and the templates he had in his bandsaw room. That's the Everybody else was going on a tour going, oh, la, 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 la. I was like, I want to know what that jig was for. What was that template for? And he, you know what? He was such a kind gentleman, he would tell me. It's awesome. Yeah. He goes, you really like this room. I go, Oh my God, it's awesome. This is the history of your chair and templates. And he goes, it's my favorite room too. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. It was, it was just what a, what a kind of like for me and out of, he goes, Hey, you want to go see the, the uh, lumber storage? I went, hell yeah. It's legendary. He goes, yeah, it is. Wait till I show you these COA slabs. And we were in there and everybody said, where the hell you guys been? I go, Sam's showing me his lumber. <laughs> Everybody started laughing, and Sam started chuckling. You know, but it, it was just amazing. I love people shop. So, what's one of the number one videos for a YouTuber woodworker does is shop tour, right?
0: Oh, of course.
2: Here's what I still haven't done one. You know, um, I you need should. to.
0: It's an easy win. Yeah,
2: but well, you know, you know, on that note, and I think we're, we're kind of bought, we're all kind of but you talking about shop tour. I did one in 2020, and I haven't done one since. And you know, reason why because I want everything to be perfect yeah, and it never will be. But I have this idea in my mind of like this perfect shop mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that exists. Nope. And I think some people would see a shop well, and say it's perfect, but you have know, Have you ever that,
0: been to Ben's woodworking?
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're sitting there looking around right now while we're talking. Yeah, yeah. You. You're already changing <laughs> stuff.
0: It can no, always think, be better and no. everybody's shop is different, right? So if it's perfect yeah. for me, it's definitely not going to be perfect for you
2: yeah i I think there's just always there's always those projects you want to do that you know you need to do and you're like i'd like for to have that before i show my shop to or i'd like to do that but the reality is too and you'll see even more mr jason bent now that you're out on your own in the whole wild world you're going to double think before you take some of the projects on that you used to do Mm -hmm. when you had your military and it was kind of your side thing when you know that you're like every day is a day what am i going to do today like i'm on my own you'll you'll probably be less likely to take some of them on, I
0: think. So the problem that I have, and I think most people have this, unless you're like a YouTube channel, because again, I don't do client work, right? But if you're a YouTube channel that is just documenting you doing things around your house, which this year you're going to see a lot of that on my channel, it's very hard to take a step away from the big projects to go out in your shop and build some sort of storage organization, right? Because you're like, I got right. to get this big project done. I got to get this big project done and it, and then you i think in the back of my mind what's really important is it me remodeling <clears throat> excuse me remodeling the bathroom or is it building a cabinet that goes underneath my table saw to store my saw blades right right i'm going to pick the the bathroom probably but yep unless i need a i love shop organization but i always feel like there's something else in my house that i need to get done or something else that i want to build so it just always gets put on the back burner but it's funny because everything we've talked about in this podcast points towards the more organized you can be, the more you're gonna be able to fit things into your shop and the better Correct. you're gonna work.
2: It's it's a it's a constant vicious circle. It's it really a constant vicious circle and, and I, it's the thing that I struggle with.
0: There's so many things I want to do, especially after, like said, you know, built the, the sustainer wall in his shop. Like I have a, an area that I would love to do one and get way more organized and get more sortainers because I freaking love these things, right? You They've don't made love my those life three door ones. Yes, they've made my life so much easier. And I I just want to get uber, you know, organized and hyper focused on that. But again, because again, it will help me in my in my workflow, it'll help me work better. But it's like, is that a priority? Or do I need to get this desk built in, uh, desks built and the built in done and then move on to the next room? Because my wife and I are both impatient. So... Yeah. And then
2: before you know it, a year goes by and then two years goes by and then three. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's like you quickly realize and find the limit of how much time you have to do yep. things. Like yep. when you're trying to make a living from doing it, plus you want your shop to be a certain way. Plus you have your house to do list. Plus you have the kids, plus you have, it's, you just get stretched. And, and every once in a while, I'll hear somebody say the words, I'm bored. Oh, someone like my age, like an adult, say they're bored. And I'm like, how on earth could you be bored? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I can, I just
1: can't so, imagine. So I will tell you something, or I will mention something. I'll point something out to you. I uh, sometimes, okay, so when it snows and you, I can't go into work and I got plenty to do around here, and Marianne will just say, why don't you get bored? You need to just disconnect. And it's the toughest thing in the world. Mm. But you know what? It's not being bored. I'm still doing something, but not in the shop. I'm not at Festool. You know, I'm not on YouTube doing editing or whatever I'm doing. And I'm just mm. like, you know what? I needed to just do something completely different. Yeah, that's... You have to step away, but... It, and, and I... So when I was in Ireland and we were on the bus going between places and uh, there's a couple of times I was, I was kind of bored and I go, man, to myself, I'm a little bored. And I go, well, I'm on vacation. I, mean, I think I, I got to be bored, you know, so I can disconnect you know, from everything. I actually left just, my, I told everybody, I left my phone here, my you know, you, uh, work phone.
2: You just hit something nail on the head. And my wife does listen to this podcast and she's going to be like, aha. So she's, she's noticed that I love to go on trips now. I love it. I mm-hmm. love to go on trips. And I think one of the reasons why is that's the only time I give myself permission to be bored. Yes. Because I know I can't build anything. I know the house list is done. I know I'm free from all the things that weigh me down. And mm-hmm. it's when I'm on a trip. Yep. And took, that's took 15 years. That's that you're right. That's that's one of the reasons why I guess I'm so always ready to go on a trip because yep. it's the only time I get away.
0: I I have a very, very hard time not doing th- something. Mm-hmm. I have two. a very, very difficult time. And I love being able to spend the evenings now with with Nicole and the kids. But I'll tell you what, man, when those weekends hit and I'm not out in the shop or like I am always chomping at the bit to like get on my computer and do something or I could be, you know, finalizing the design for the built in. I do not do well with idle time. I really don't. Mm. I've, I've, I always feel like I have to be doing something and it's not that I don't like being bored or I don't like relaxing. It's that I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm wasting time. Right. Because I think a big part of that is because I've been, I was grinding with this business for so long and I was, I was sacrificing a lot of time with Leo and Nicole. Well, now I have two kids, so it's a little bit different, right? I, I basically have to be present because Nicole can't just take care of both. Um, and she shouldn't have to. So now I find myself in this position where, you know, I was maybe 10 hours a week, you know, on Ben's woodworking and, you know, now I'm about to go to 20 to 30 hours and hopefully I can get a lot more done. But just the last two days, I've been seeing quickly how I need to get a handle on my schedule because you know how much time I've spent in the shop in the last two days and I've been home all day, every day, zero. I cleaned it up a little bit this morning, but I still haven't done anything. I haven't done my YouTube video. I'm not on a schedule. I'm not, you know that that's what I'm struggling with. Right. Is like, what's that schedule and how do I get out there and do that stuff? I have so many things going through my head right now. You know why? Because now all of a sudden I have all this time and I'm like, I can do this and this and this and this. And now before you know it, I'm not doing anything.
1: And next thing you know, Leo is taller than you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was crazy. just, I'll say it again. I was blown away at the woodworking shows when I looked at cam and went, you're taller than me now. Yeah.
2: I know. It's Where does the
1: time go?
2: It does. It's a very short blur. Yeah. Um, the kids were two and four when I jumped out on my own and started. And it's it seems like that that was just a few years ago. And it's crazy how fast it happens. But you definitely will have no trouble staying busy. I've learned that. And people will take as much time as you will let them. And you have to schedule time for yourself. It took mm-hmm. me over 10 years to realize that so i try i do a pretty good job january and february of blocking out time for us in projects for us i do a pretty good job it gets harder as you go into the spring and summer mm-hmm. but i try to block that off and i just know and if anything comes up i'm booked for that client that client's us and that's that's the only way i can manage it cuz if not you that's where the people back to the things people asking you if you're busy you're always busy you're never yes. not busy sometimes some days i could just spend a day reorganizing my van, taking back materials that I had left over for a job. That's, that's half a day right there, you know, and that's the day that you're not even working. It's it, everything just sucks time. Yep. And that's where everything comes back to organization and being efficient so that you can get as much time, maximize time as you can get. Even your layout of your shop, saving time in every way you can. For sure.
0: Well, For sure. okay, guys, wow. I, That was a good discussion. And we even got a little off, off track there at the end, but it was good,
2: man. Well, I think, Um, I think the reason why we got off track is because shop layout is much more than just layout. It's process too. And process drives layout.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. It just goes back to, you know, I I think the, the best way to look at it, you know, moving forward on what space is right for you. Are you, are you in production or are you a hobbyist? right my shop doesn't need to be as big as you know mike coffee and what what he's building right everybody knows how how rapidly he's expanding his business and needs more space and has multiple employees and all that kind of stuff very different scenario than the guys like us you know that are you know ronnie you're a little bit different now but sedge and i you know garage woodworkers that just do this shit for fun right and yeah for what we I'm, need. I'm in so, the same
2: category that I don't plan on ever having employees. Uh, Cameron works in here, but his bench is right next to mine. And I use his as much as mine when he's not here. It's kind of an extension of my own.
1: And I'm in a, I'm in a to die for shop that I built out at work all day, but I still enjoy coming home and still being in another shop, my shop. Yeah. You know, I, I live, I live a dream job and I just, I'm having a great time in my shop at home too um but boy i'll tell you what i think we're redesigning a whole brent and i are redesigning a whole new training center looks like it's gonna go through within the year oh cool yeah we're gonna it's gonna be quite large it's gonna be out in the warehouse but we're gonna build it out awesome yeah you know the uh parts on the mezzanine uh, mm-hmm. we call it mez one well, you guys were up in mez two for the pr event we're looking to probably build that out uh mezzanine one uh be all a, of all of that top will be training center and video content rooms and you're really be fighting the you won't be fighting the light nope that'd be good and i'll tell you one thing that's the number one thing a request is we have really good lighting in there for um for video content and stuff like that because that's what brendan i've been pretty much doing for the last three years because of the pandemic it's just creating a ton of videos and stuff like that so But we still want to do have training rooms, theoretical, practical, and and then storage. And I want a whole milling area, so we can process our lumber. So, be cool.
2: It's awesome.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was just looking for a for a comment. I finally did find one from three days ago. Cool. All right, so everybody, it's time for our favorite segment, and that is get bent. And we can't do get bent without Hans. So Hans, take it away. And now it is time for everyone's most favorite segment, Get Bend. Thank you, Hans. Oh, he's so, so awesome, nice. man. He's amazing. <laughs> um <laughs> he will forever be missed, but he will always be a part of this podcast. Um all right. Who has get back comments tonight? I have one I'm gonna read. Sedge has have one. one. And Ronnie has one. Okay. You want right. can I go first? Yep. Yeah. All right. My comment is from Installing Full Extension Drawer Slides, a very old video. This person states, Not the most difficult way to install drawer slides, but definitely the wrong way. Way too much measuring. The people who sell overpriced measuring tools love this method. <laughs> Thanks. Oh yeah. okay, All my right, my who turn? wants to go next? Yep. Okay,
1: now you know I never have one of these, right? So when this popped up, I think yesterday, I went, "Oh, perfect!" I had to read this, and I like five times, and I still don't understand it. So I'm gonna try to do it in a funny voice, like, "Okay, it was on my uh, resaw one-on-one video. I did it, I think, a year ago, and it's called resawing with the Havi HW six one five bandsaw." Okay, so <laughs> you're do. Gonna... how much is a being so like that looking for a bigger one? <laughs> what the f- is that? Okay, so I, I won't do a dirty, dirty voice. Listen. Yeah. Okay, so how much is a being so like that
2: looking for a bigger one?
0: Yeah, I... Clearly he had few so too many time.
2: cocktails. Sometimes Dude. I spend so much time reading those going, what do they mean? And I'm like, I don't care. What do they mean by that? Are they, are they being nice? or Are they being mean? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't either. I think this guy was Googed. I looked at his thing and
1: uh, didn't have any subscribers. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Zero point zero videos and subscribers. So, how do you respond? I always, I always try to respond on the Sedge Tool channel to all the comments. And this one, I just went, "Huh? Yeah,
0: huh? Huh? What does that mean? How much is being so like that, looking for
2: a bigger one? <laughs> Doesn't make sense, Roddy. So this is on coping crown molding, which always gets a rise out of people because oh, yeah. some people. Don't understand how to do both, so they have an opinion. Um, I don't really think it's debatable on some of the topics people talk about. You know, it does have a place. And I had somebody said, I just caulk it like a smart contractor. I ask if you if you preferred uh coping or just mitering it. He says, I just caulk it like a smart contractor who's not looking for excuses to stay away from his family. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, actually that's good. A good
2: comment. But that's here's good. the thing. Okay, here's what's so funny about this. He's saying that he cocks it. So what do I do? I miter one side, and I put the other butt end, and I put it, and I install it, and I walk away. He miter's two sides, and then gets out the cock gun while I'm out home with my family. <laughs> <laughs> so he thinks it's faster to cock. Oh my god! Like it's so funny. Hey, I, is this guy grease ball? <laughs> no it's got his full name on here i mean he's he's proud of that comment oh my god uh, yeah i was uh i that saw guy, that one when... that guy on instagram greaseball you ever seen oh, him i haven't seen him forever
1: oh no no he's and he's been off the planet for a long time but yeah he every was once, huge for a while yeah every once in a while i would i still go back to look at some of his posts
2: and i cry yeah he got he was really big for a while and i completely forgot it I know somebody who met him. Really? Yeah, he's up in Canada.
1: So he said he met him. He goes, I, he goes, I think I met Greaseball last weekend. I go, what? He goes, yeah, I was at an event. And guy came I, up to me. He started talking to me. He's a contractor.
2: I do, I do have one other one. This one's been long going, and I keep thinking he's going away, and he comes back. Oh, no. He comes back, and he comes back. I probably should have blocked him, but I thought he was gone. Has his full name on there. Has his profile picture. I'll just go back to the first one. There's four, com- April. He said, if you don't mind me saying, I find you to be absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and so my response is nothing, <laughs> nothing. And then it was uh, two days later. He said, take it as you wish, I guess. And then three days later, he said, oh, well. And then yesterday, video call, eleven eighteen a.m. Missed video call. He tried to video call me. And then he commented on my rare earth magnet stud finder video. He said, "My love for you is stronger than a rare earth magnet." Oh my god, Ronnie's gonna stalk you.
0: Sedge, oh. he's he's onto our fake Instagram account. Oh my god.
2: So I wanted you all to know in okay, case something happens to me. Yeah, I'll screenshot you this name,
1: Ronnie. Yeah, I'll see you at workbenchcon. Yeah,
2: but you know what? I I it's a funny for us and a big deal. Uh, The female side, they get this probably every day. You know, this is just something that's, it was funny to me and stood out, but I'm sure it's nothing compared to what our, our colleagues in the woodworking world on the female side deal with. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: Jess, Jess has shown me a few of the comments and I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Some of the messages you get, come on. Yeah. And
0: it's, it's sickening and the people that always leave that kind of stuff. they're always like very strange people. I've had people just randomly call me back when I actually had my like number listed, like an idiot back when I was doing client work, but my number was listed in a lot of places and I'd be like in a grocery store and I get a random call and I'd answer it. And you know, it, it would, be just the weirdest conversation ever and they're immediately just starting to ask me about woodworking stuff like no hey how are you nothing hey uh my name is blah blah i was watching your video i was wondering if you could help me blah and i'm like, just like and it's always just a weird conversation it's like what the heck yeah. i went yeah. back finally i got so many calls at one point i was just like i've got to remove my phone number from everything and since then i haven't really had an issue
1: yeah yeah, there's yeah but i've been people out there trying to find your new number yeah Right,
2: Roddy, Roddy, those are funny. Yeah, I'll, Now that I have in my mind, as I see them during the week, I'm like, ha ha, screenshot. We'll see
0: if the story continues next week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, that's all the way back from April. It's been going on. This is wow. I keep thinking he's done and he keeps coming back, mm. sending him to me.
1: They just don't well, end up with a ball gag in a trunk, Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> the Gimp.
0: Get the Gimp. Well, everybody, we hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. I know we enjoyed talking about it, Dave. Thank you so much for the question. I hope you don't mind that I put it out in the public, uh, the question that you asked me. But okay. good luck with with uh, with your shop. It was a good question. Um, it was a great question. I knew I knew it. We'd have a lot to talk about on that. So uh, next week is a uh, community episode. So if you guys have questions, go to GreenshootersPodcast.com and submit your questions there. In the questions tab, I know we are running low, or if you guys have questions, shoot them over to the Green Suitors Podcast on Instagram and we'll make sure we get those added to the list. But we'd much rather you go to the website so then we don't have to take a bunch of screenshots and add them all to a list later. Um, but get your questions in because we love answering them. So, guys, I'm gonna have to get going because I have to edit this podcast and then I have to pack, and then I have to get up at four o'clock. Nice. So so I can go look at cool tools in Delaware oh, man. have fun. When are you getting back? Uh, I'll be back Saturday afternoon. I think cool. we're we're coming up to you guys Sunday, or you guys are coming down here or something like that. But cool, man. We'll see everybody. Thank you so cool. much. Two and a we'll half weeks ya. to
1: work BenchCon.
0: Yes, two and a half weeks work BenchCon. We'll see some of you there, and everybody else will pollute your ear holes next week. <laughs> all right, guys. All right, have a good right. night. See Later. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.